1: We've got our take cannons
2: loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Perception the show.
1: Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Co., Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception the show. Oh man, Matt, uh, there were so many blowouts in the wild card round. But in this divisional round, boy, woo! We got ourselves some good games, man. This was a lot of fun this weekend.
2: Yeah, some really good games. Even the most lopsided of the four games, which was obviously Ravens Texans, was competitive in the first half. Um, sure was. To the to the point that it was like, oh man, Baltimore's not gonna not gonna pull a 2019, are they? Which I I found <laughs> so funny that even you know down to John Harbaugh had said publicly during the season like this isn't this is not like 2019 because there are a lot of similarities to that year for baltimore Mm -hmm. MVP quarterback you're the number one seed you take that rest in week 18 then you go on your little given bye week you come back and you get trounced by them the tennessee titans another afc south team the texans they took care of business (laughs) in the second half but yeah even that game was competitive for a while but yeah i mean great weekend of football um some irritating discourse after the divisional round, which is always the case, by the of way. Of course, 100%. you know it's the is, is what it is. But I mean, absolutely fantastic weekend of football, no doubt about it.
1: Okay, uh, I want to start with the uh, the crown jewel of the weekend. Certainly it was Kansas City taking on Buffalo. Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes on the road for the first time in his playoff career. Um, I a mean, great game, great game. Um, I, I will say it's a great game, but man, I felt like we were robbed of like an all potential all timer. Were we not? You know what I'm talking about? Like Bass misses the kick. If he makes that kick, we either got like a legendary Mahomes drive or we're going to overtime and we're all of a sudden kicking into high gear, right? So um, I felt like it was a great game. Could have been an all-time great game. You know what I mean? Yeah, and obviously Josh Allen, you know, the final
2: drive for him that leads to them having to go for a field goal there is being nitpicked a little bit. Uh, Some of the decisions and, you know, the throw to Khalil Shakir in the end zone, which by the way, I've got no problem with him making that throw. Like Shakir probably needs to bend that route a little bit. He's not necessarily like the crossing route there is not in his progression, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's not the first read on that play. Um, You know, if Deion Dawkins holds Chris Jones a little bit longer from a blocking perspective, then you might have the time to rip that throw to Shakir a little bit better. Uh, if he's able to adjust his platform, maybe like uh, he gets an extra half a second to rip a better throw to Shakir. Just hey, the defense gets paid too, and sure. you know Chris Jones is one of the best players in the league. He really affects that play, so I don't have a ton of problem with it. But yeah, it was like Josh Allen was nearly perfect for. Long stretches of this game. And then there's those couple of throws you can again knit. We're talking about nitpicking milliseconds of difference here at the final moment. But that's what these games come down to. These are the best of the best going against each other. And I mean, dang. Yeah. I'm upset that it it, it comes down to a kick or two. Anytime that it comes down to a missed kick like that, you're just, yeah, it does leave that little like.
1: At the end of the game. <laughs> can I just say, first of all, I mean it was the full Josh Allen experience. You know that touchdown that he had um, to Shakir. Oh, oh, yeah. Are you kidding me with that throw? Perfect placement. What and what a time for it to come through too. It's just oh my goodness, beautiful throw, uh, unbelievable connection right there. I mean he's falling away and throws an absolute laser beam to the perfect spot. On the near the sideline in the end zone, Khalil Shakir comes up with it. beautiful stuff. I just want to go through the the last drive. Okay, just a little bit here because it was such a, it was what a crazy last drive it was. Josh Allen throws an absolute dime piece to Stefan Diggs. And I contend that if Diggs pulls that catch down, I think he's walking in for a touchdown. The defender was falling down. I think Diggs was upright enough where if he catches the ball, I think he stays on his feet and I think he walks in uh, for a touchdown. And the place probably just goes absolutely ham sandwich, right? Then in that same drive, he almost throws a pick six, but doesn't. (laughs) Then Josh Allen fumbles the ball. Somehow, some way Buffalo recovers that football. That was insane too, okay? Mm -hmm. Then a very next play, they convert on the fourth down and, and again, the place is just rocking right now. I mean, just nervous. I, the, there, there wasn't a, 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 a single safe fingernail in the building. Everyone was chomping on their nails right now. Josh Allen, then you talk about missing Shakir on that potential touchdown. And again, they, they nitpick all the decision making. Oh, why didn't he check down for that first? Down? He had a wide open guy in the end zone, okay? Uh, th- i think to me that's the right decision just didn't execute all right uh, and then again uh so then that was that lead to that that leads to um a shanked ma- very i mean very makeable field goal bass makes that in the regular season bass makes that 95 percent of the time am i incorrect in saying that yeah he's one of the
2: pretty highly paid kickers in the league uh you know it, it not not great conditions obviously in that game it's cold yeah. it's a little windy um, but, yeah, and especially for the fact that it's wide right, you know, which is a haunted again, phrase in, know, in Bill's lore <laughs> anyways, so it makes it even right. worse.
1: Oh, my God. But, yeah, what a drive. I mean, just uh, just all sorts of things happening uh, in that final drive there, and, and it really um, – and, again, it's too bad it didn't cap off in that field goal. Then we could have seen something else. But, okay, so so we're there. All right, that's fine. I think the biggest question now uh, remaining is what happens with Buffalo? I mean, there's already kind of like a um, – I don't want to say a tombstone on, on this iteration of this team, but kind of sort of a tombstone on this iteration of a team. You know what I mean, man? Like, what's going on here? What are, what are they going to do with Stephon Diggs? What are they going to do with Gabe Davis? Does it feel like this defense is pretty much like done and over with now, right? Like, There's so many question marks in regards to Buffalo's um, team makeup moving forward, and it's really a damn shame because this is truly one of the best teams that I think we've seen in the NFL to, to never make it to a Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, and I mean, Josh Allen, you just look at his numbers in the playoffs, and it's been striking how good he's been in as a postseason performer. And the one thing I will say before we talk just about like where does Buffalo go next, the thing that is driving me a little bit crazy today is like ah, the Bills missed their that was their shot. Like I get it, okay, Patrick Holmes in this off like this offense hasn't been as good in Kansas City as in 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 previous years. But yeah. I don't like Patrick Holmes is hurt. Okay, like he's still the best player on the planet Earth, right? He's still active. He's still active in the games. Okay, it's not as if like they've been starting damn Blaine Gabbert all year. The Chiefs are still the Chiefs. This year is no different than any other season. Like they don't have a better opportunity. And by the way, the Chiefs were a good team all year long. They were just more frustrating in certain in certain areas, especially at the receiver position and the pass protection. Just offensively, they weren't all the way there. But they can play with their food all year long, win 12 games or whatever, go in the playoffs and go on a run. Cause they, that's what they do. So this, this year is not any more different than any other season. That's number one. And number two, like people with these takes, like, ah, he's the Phillip rivers of this generation. I mean, maybe, maybe he's 27 years old dog. Like we got a long time left of Josh Allen's career. If he can survive, you know, getting blasted, you know, every which way he could probably play for another 10 years like I think people forget that Peyton Manning didn't go to a Super Bowl till 2006 2006 season when he was like damn near 30 years old like that's my take with with the whole Josh Allen likes Josh Allen's stuff. Like, yeah, it's it's gonna be tough to get past Mahomes, just like it was tough for everybody to get past Tom Brady for all those years. And right. only one team wins Super Bowl every season. So yeah, like I get it. It's it's frustrating. And that all everything I just said does not make it suck any less for Bills fans, Bills <laughs> players, and anybody associated with the team. Like right. I know that but like the the window right. is still open. It's gonna look different. It will look different. We'll talk about why it's gonna look different. But the window is still open because you still have Josh Allen, like Joe Burrow was the one who said it a few years ago, the window – or, yeah, last year, the window is my entire career. As long as you have the quarterback and the guy's healthy, like, you can figure the rest out. That That is what they need to do now. They need to figure the rest out. But, like, yeah. to act as if the story of Josh Allen's career is – to speak in any finality of it is – is I mean – I think beyond ridiculous. It's idiotic. Like he's only again, he's, he's twenty seven years old. As we're sitting yeah, here talking about this right now,
1: old. we it's got 26. a long time and a lot more chapters of yeah. the story left to write. The pro okay, the problem with that though is that okay, if this team needs to go through a rebuild, right? So what 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 is the length of that rebuild, right? Um, and I and I would also say first of all, I agree with you one hundred percent that it is a little ridiculous to just say okay, it, his career is pretty much. It is what it is like to say he's the Philip Rivers first of all Philip Rivers is a great player um, yeah but
2: <laughs> Woo boy not, not Philip Rivers <laughs>
1: <laughs> Philip
2: Rivers great was a great
1: player okay but it's also uh, it, first of all, the, the comp itself is ridiculous because Philip while Philip Rivers was a a, a a very very good player, he was at his best when he was a, a second fiddle to like Ladanian Tomlinson. Right. And, and again, taking nothing away from Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers is a great player. Josh Allen is not that dude. You know, yeah. any team that Josh Allen is on, he's the man. You know what I'm saying? You could bring mm-hmm. in the best running back in the world. He's not going to be a better player than Josh Allen. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, no, I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't go that far. Um, that being said, I, I think the reason we have this feeling that Josh Allen, this was one of his best opportunities, was. Again, Kansas City's down year, whatever, fine. Um, but again, to, to kind of look at like the team build around him, right? Like what does this team build look around him moving forward? Um, they had a great defense playing behind him. And anytime you're talking about a quarterback, you, you just want them to have a great defense playing behind him, right? Had that. All right, now... Um, other quarterbacks that you're kind of saying, all right, well, maybe you extend that window a little bit. Well, okay, you could do that. I think with like a Tom Brady when he's got like a Bill Belichick, right? Sean, I don't know if Sean McDermott's that. <laughs> I don't think Sean McDermott's that guy, man. So again, uh, you know, uh, it, the Bills I think uh, are a really interesting position um, because they disappointed. Um, ah, shoot. I, you know, to be honest with you, I, is is this your? Yes or no, do you consider this year to be a disappointment for the Bills? I, I don't necessarily know if I go that far.
2: I mean, it's hard to say because about a month and a half ago That's we my, didn't even exactly know. My point. We didn't even know if we were gonna be in the divisional exactly. round, if they were gonna be there. Exactly. I mean shoot, they didn't even know in week eighteen they knew by the time their game kicked off, but they didn't know originally in week eighteen if they were even gonna make the postseason. Exactly now that is that is a hole that they exactly. dug themselves into. This team had sure. to fire its offensive coordinator and right. you know, we talk about teams firing their coordinators like, well, what are they really gonna change? You know? This team actually did change its offense quite uh, a lot, I in my opinion, a, a, a under a Joe bunch. Brady versus totally. a, a ton. Um, like the play that you that you highlighted, the fourth down play that they they, they converted to James Cook there. Like yeah. you never saw stuff like that under Ken Dorsey, which I think Dorsey was leaving some meat on the bone in that regard. Where, oh, um, and I think I think there were things that Dorsey did well that maybe Joe Brady's not that good at. Maybe if they could have been a little more collaborative, we could have had a really really good offense. But yeah, <laughs> I, it's hard to say whether like uh-huh. the ending of this season. Obviously, it's disappointing to end the divisional round. But shoot, there was a long stretch of time where I didn't, wasn't even sure if they were good enough to be that team. That's why it's kind of, again, kind of funny to say, oh, this was Buffalo's best shot mm-hmm. because they were a worse team on balance than Kansas City for large stretches of the of the year. They ended up being totally the two true. seed. KC was the three seed. This game got to be in Buffalo. But, yeah, it was very um, – I, I would almost – and you mentioned the, the rebuild and, like, how long this team is – Going to rebuild. Well, number one, you're never really rebuilding if you have a quarterback like this. You're you're tweaking things around. I mean, you are. Um, even the Rams didn't want to say rebuilding this year. Yeah. And shoot, look, they ended up going to the playoffs, and everybody thought they're going to be Great one of the worst teams in the league. So like, they're not really going to truly rebuild. But I, I think sort of the remodel, which is what teams always end up wanting to say when they don't mm-hmm. want to say rebuild, the remodel. I think kind of started maybe a, a little bit already. And I do think it's going to be a continuation of that this year. Uh, so, you know, where that goes, that's that's the big question I think we have to answer.
1: Okay, so um, I, can I just throw a, co- a couple crazy things out here? There's a lot of question marks in regards to the Bills uh, moving forward. If you're the GM, Matt Harmon, do you keep Sean McDermott?
2: Uh, well, I, number one, yeah, that'd be probably like an ownership discussion, but... <sighs> I do think you have. Do you know unique, what I'm saying
1: though? Because there's yeah, no, yeah. there's no question. Right now, there's not a lot of conversation about Sean McDermott, like the Bills moving on from Sean McDermott. But in my mind, I'm thinking there's a lot of great, that,
2: great
1: yeah. head coaches out there, man. Like a lot of great coaching candidates, man. I, I don't know, man. Like, do I keep? Do I run this back? Again, we need. Okay, we won't use rebuild. We need a remodel. Is Sean McDermott the guy? To lead a remodel? I don't think he's that dude. I don't think he's that dude. I
2: I would, uh, that would be a really hard decision to make because, I mean, are you pursuing like a, um, I mean, it would have to be like a Belichick or a Vrabel or a... Um, you know, like a Pete Carroll. Can you call him out of Seattle's like? For oh, easily. Thing? I mean, you hundred yeah, I mean, well, ob- percent. Obviously, that. if obviously you could get <laughs> Pete to take the job, but I'm saying like that's that's sort of the the tier of candidates you'd have to be working in because I don't know that you'd move on from Sean McDermott, who the whole locker room. I mean, I I, I guess I I think you know there was the whole <laughs> weird 911 stuff with <laughs> yeah, him and everything. I was like,
1: are we sure the locker is behind this guy? <laughs> Are we sure?
2: <laughs> I, I think I think they really closed the walls in a little bit and like helped okay. like they kind of got behind him when that stuff was leaking out but I All don't right. obviously I don't know to a man that everybody loves Sean McDermott. I don't know that about any coach in the NFL to to be honest, but right. um I I don't know how the like locker room would react if you're getting rid of him. Like you're not getting rid of Sean McDermott I think to hire I mean even like ben a Johnson? Ben Johnson. To, I, yeah, I don't know though like Oh, man that is really tempting though because you do think of uh I think Joe Brady and, and and Josh Allen did some good stuff together but I mean there was the offense wasn't perfect under under Brady I think Brady's a good OC um I think if I'm Joe Brady I'm trying to stick in Buffalo have another year there and and keep it moving but um I I don't know that I don't know that I would have the stones to to pull to pull the trigger on on getting rid of McDermott for just anybody
1: man I think I you know what I do it and and I and I make a real strong push for Ben Johnson, man. like let's go because again, I, again, I don't think next year is the year that this Buffalo Bills team is going to be contending for a title, right? But right. I think the year after that could be if they draft well, they do well in free agency and do those kind of things. You let Ben Johnson marinate for a year, and then in that second year, Ben Johnson's got a real grasp and control. Uh, of what being an NFL head coach looks like Mm, man I'd be tempted I'd be I'd be really really tempted although the (laughs) how how fun would it be if Bill Belichick stayed in that division though
2: yeah that would be pretty hilarious twice a year he's
1: got to see New England
2: what and after being the guy that tormented um that tormented the the bills for so long right with tom that's brady right. like that's that right. that's the wor- that's why it's so crushing i think to be a bills fan right now is that, that you finally got good and the patriots who tormented you for so long you finally kind of you slayed exercised that, that demon you slayed yeah. that dragon and now there's yep. a whole another dragon that you can't slay <laughs> it has to be really really frustrating because of that but that's kind oh. of where we're at right now Okay.
1: Um, all right. So what? Okay. I want you to put the GM hat on Matt Harmon. Okay. we're talking wide receivers here. Uh, Stefan Diggs, he's 31 years old. He's got a twenty eight million dollar cap hit next year. Gabe Davis is a free agent. He's only 24 years old. Right. So uh, you'd be thinking he's he's entering into, you know, a good portion of his career. But uh, he did say he's open to coming back to Buffalo. But my God, he has not played since the Miami game. But man, Matt, to close out the year. He has had zero yards in five of his last nine games played. Zero yards when you are the number two wide receiver playing with Josh Allen. What is it? Scheme fit? Limited route tree? Is it his role? I don't know. But for me, it feels as if uh this roster is prime for a wide receiver makeover. Uh, first of all, let's start with Diggs. What, what do you do with Diggs here? <sighs>
2: the dig stuff is really is tough and and the hardest part about it um like watching the game last night you're things are working really well in the bills offense you know i mean Khalil Shakir, I think, is is like part of your future. I think Khalil Shakir is a really, really good player. He's so reliable. You know, he had a great reception perception college profile. He's a player that I was a big fan of coming into the league, and I was just kind of hoping he'd get an opportunity at Buff- in Buffalo at some point. And it kind of felt like at certain times they were trying to ice him out of the rotation. Mm-hmm. Like you're bringing Deontay Hardy, you're bringing Trent Shurfield, and these guys. And, you know, I was like, all right, is is Khalil Shakir on the outs? But then he started to get playing time late in the year, and he was good. Like, I think he's a good slot receiver. I don't know if he's, like, a a superstar or anything like that, but I think he's going to be a good football player. I think he already is a good football player for the Buffalo Bills. I think Kincaid is obviously part of your future. He's making – you know, he led the team in receiving last night. James Cook's a nice um, pass-catching running back at times. Right. And, and like, uh, the run game for Buffalo has been – I don't, I don't want to call it like a revelation to end the year, but I mean, they were running the hell out of the ball at times in this game. You know, part of that's Josh Allen, part of that's James Cook, even like Ty Johnson having a couple of moments there. Like, I think this run game has become what was a, a huge issue for Buffalo at times in the Josh Allen era. Like now that's good. Now you have like these solid complimentary players stepping up. Um, it's not enough. They need more, but they haven't, they have some solid complementary players stepping up, but at the same time that all of these good things are happening, mm-hmm. I mean, Diggs is just a complete non-factor. Non-factor, a complete non-factor. And the worst part about it, James, watching it last night, I never felt like, okay, here's where the Steph Diggs dagger is coming. Like here's mm-hmm. here's where never. the the He's home a guy. run, big play. Like, yeah, this is just gonna happen. It it never. Ha- I never felt like it was gonna happen because it hasn't happened for so long. Now, I have said this on the show before. My theory on this, my um lean on this is I Mm -hmm. think there's gotta be an unreported injury here. Um, there's definitely some talk, some whispers around Buffalo that he's been playing with, um, Either a back, an oblique, or an abdominal injury. Since I think like week ten is when he popped up with it on the injury report, or sometime right around there, and it's just never. You know, he's he's had to play through it. He's never gotten it fully healthy, and then he might have banged it up when he got slammed uh, by against the Steelers in the wild card round. You know, he mm. missed a couple practices with a foot injury last week. Like I think the guys, and because we haven't heard anything from Diggs. No, nothing. Not not normally a, a cryptic, but an outspoken. Uh, player for sure. We haven't heard anything from him. We haven't seen him be like, you know, um, complaining, you know, in games or anything like that. Like last year, they losing the divisional round. That was the first thing you heard about was him like popping off. Haven't heard anything like that, you know, at 3 p.m. Eastern as we're recording this right now. Right. I think there's got to be something there um, from an injury perspective. We know the team was weird about it, like cut off the press conference when asked about it, that whole thing with Tim Graham. Um, maybe I'm reading too much into that, but that would be my lean on – on. I mean, even you look at the play where he doesn't come down with that deep ball. He clearly mistimes the jump. He clearly um, misplays the the thing, and that's something you do. Like, Maybe Josh Allen could have laid it out more. He already threw it like 60-plus yards in the air. Yeah, um, Diggs should come down with that ball, but he yes. clearly misplayed it. Like, That's something you do. When your, your upper body's not working in conjunction with your mm. lower body, whether it's midsection, okay. lower body, whatever, that's what happens at the receiver position. So, I, if we're operating in that world where Diggs has just fallen out of Hurt. this offense because he's not been healthy, I don't, I don't honestly, it doesn't even change the fact that you need to start thinking about what is the post Stefan Diggs era of this offense. Like, I think what probably happens because you can't really trade him, you can't really cut him, he would count 30, twenty-two million in dead cap if they move on from him and right that's just like untenable for a team that already is in cap hell i think you probably try to restructure him and and figure it out um it, it get him somewhere integrated back in the offense but you got to be thinking about adding outside receiver help because even with digs like you mentioned gabe davis is a guy gabe davis is uh, I mean, like just a guy type of player. He's a <laughs> he's rotational <not> <laughs> piece. He's not a, he's not a, we've been saying it for years on this show. He's not a true number two receiver. Mm-hmm. You need like a legit guy on the outside opposite from Diggs because I think you have, might have a nice slot receiver. I think you might have, um, a, I mean, I think you do have a really quality uh, starting tight end, but like we can't be throwing deep passes to Trent Shurfield in the divisional round. Like we just can't be in that position.
1: It's interesting. Stefan Diggs, um, I, I I, have to go back and look, but certainly in the postseason, uh, played a lot more inside, so played a lot more slot yes. um, and tight right than he did during the regular season. And, and really, when you take a look at his career numbers, just so much more inside. He was about a 40% inside player here in the postseason. Um, whereas, you know, regular season, they, they've got him at 29%, but I would contend, I, I actually would be surprised. I bet you anything that he started sliding a little bit more inside as the season wore on as well. Um, you know, uh, it's just, to me, I don't know, is this a way for them to kind of sort of get him involved in the offense without taxing his body deep down? I don't know. It's an interesting thought. It certainly is an interesting thought. First eight games of the season, 11.3 targets, eight receptions, 93.5 yards per game, and he scored six touchdowns in those first eight games. Last eight games of the season, um, 7.9 targets per game. His receptions got cut almost in half from 8 to 4.6. His reception receiving yards got more than cut in half, going from 94 to 43. And he only scored one touchdown in the last eight games of the dang season, man. That is insane. Uh, 31 years old, big time, big time cap number as well. Obviously, they're going to have to restructure him, um, kind of sort of stretch him out um, and just see what they could do in terms of salary cap situation. You say he's not, you know, he's not a great trade. Ca- I think he's a great trade candidate. I think he's a great trade candidate. Again, if, if, if the injury is not really the injury and it's just a performance issue. I agree with you. There's something funky there, Matt, but if it's not something injury related, I think he's a great trade candidate to be honest with you. Cause I think somebody's probably looking to kind of, you know, hit uh, again with Stefan Diggs, And again, maybe they're in a little bit more financial flexibility too. Cause again, dude, he is 31 years old, man. Like if you yeah. extend him out, you know what I mean? Like you're, now you're talking about a player going into like age 36, 37. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not 100% sure uh, so yeah there's a lot of moving pieces here uh, in Buffalo alright uh, one of the top games other than this KC Buffalo game Green Bay San Francisco I'm just gonna ask you point blank Matt yes or no the internet's ablaze yes or no did Brock Purdy have a good game I mean he. <laughs> 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 this is
2: worse this is worse than the Josh Allen discourse Is the is the Brock uh, Purdy discourse like it's like political it's like political everybody rushes rushes to to their to their camps to their sides of the aisle and and there's no way to just like meet in the middle where it's like we can all say yeah he probably didn't play well for three quarters but you know we had a nice final drive and they and they won the game and it's also the, the crazy thing about brock purdy too is like i said josh allen's 27 brock purdy is in his second season uh, <laughs> second season and he hasn't even started like all the games yet but no no, no i mean no. yeah we all we all know what brock Pur- i think we all know what brock Purdy is which is that he's obviously a damn good quarterback is he the most important player on the 49ers roster no uh no. obviously obviously that's not even, like i think close, right? i don't even think brock purdy or kyle shanahan would tell you that but there's so much to like with purdy and there's so much to um appreciate about him there's also some stuff that drives you crazy and and i think there are obvious limitations which you could see throughout this game that um you know just being able to drive the ball in the weather like being able to grip the ball in the weather was an issue um and do you know, sh- about- have
1: you have you ever seen a shot like that you know where this? The, they had that replay of him re-gripping the ball mid-throw have you no, ever seen no, that I-
0: selling a little or a lot
3: and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
2: I mean, maybe I have but I can't think of it off the top of my head, no.
1: I mean, even Jared Goff who's got baby hands, like I <laughs> I don't <laughs> ever recall seeing somebody regrip in the middle of a play what the, I'm like, gee whiz, he must be completely uncomfortable uh, in weather conditions. And honestly, and, and I, didn't, I didn't know that about Brock Purdy. I did not realize that in the rain, he was completely ineffective. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't rain out there much in California, does it, James? I, I mean, San Francisco, it does, though. There's plenty of rain. And again, he went to Iowa State. I don't know what, don't know what the hell the weather looks like in Iowa State, but I mean, it's, he's never seen these kind of conditions. I mean, it's I know, weird stuff, man. Um, okay. Yeah, it's very weird.
2: It, Losing right. Debo doesn't help either. When you no, like, it's no, one no. thing to not ha- have him go when you know you're going into a game to right. lose him mid-game. I mean, there were even some instances where I Early. thought, like, oh yeah, like oh boy, that's a Chris Con like that's a Debo play going to Chris Conley, and like, yep. I don't know how familiar or Juwan you're. Or Jennings you, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, at least Jennings is like he's a dirty work player. I I don't mm. know how familiar you guys are with Chris Conley. I mean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's definitely a, re- a reception perception season on Chris Conley. I think somewhere in the, in the in the historical data, I could I could probably look it up. But uh, not a very similar player <laughs> to Debo Samuel. So I, I think I think they were a little like on the fritz about not having him in that game because I think he probably if you just think about how look we talked about Brandon Ayuk having a big matchup if they went with like their typical uh you know cover three type looks and single high type looks. I mean, I don't think that was necessarily the approach uh, from Green Bay. I think they really kind of replicated a lot of what they did against Dallas. And, you know, they were like, look, they're going to hurt us with the run game. They're going to hurt us in the run game. Um, But they're not going to rip big plays out of their base personnel group, out of 21 personnel and all that stuff. Um, It becomes a lot harder to do that, I think, with Debo Samuel not in there because he could have been a big factor in that.
1: I really thought that Debo is going to be a huge factor uh, in that Green Bay has given up the um, uh, over the last two months of the season, gave up the 11th most yards per game in zone coverage. Uh, Meanwhile, we're the I think the 10th or 12th most stingy defense against man coverage. Right, so <clears throat> a little bit more forgiving uh, in the zone department area than in man-to-man coverage, and that I think that tracks, right, with Jair Alexander and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, and I thought this was going to be a, a really, really nice Debo game. Okay, now that being said, I cannot tell you how many times I'm screaming at my television to throw the ball to Brandon Ayuk. He's open on every damn play, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I think they probably,
2: uh, they being um – the quarterback, just not a lot of faith that he's gonna be able to make those throws in in those conditions, I guess, which is definitely maddening. And I mean I definitely think that Purdy, too, uh, when you can heat him up, when you can put pressure on him, like you're gonna get him into you're gonna get him a little haywire. I, I think yeah. he's actually um get has a little bit more of a playmaker gene, uh, than than you give him credit for. Like comparing him to another quarterback that people you know, and I'm I'm probably one of the people that like dog all the time is I mean Tua, right? Like people mm-hmm. get on him, but I mean if we're just talking about like playmaking gene, like Brock Purdy has much more of a playmaker gene, I think, than than like Tua does, like a I agree. bit more of a second reaction type of stuff. But he's not totally agree. like he can scramble and like kind of reload to throw, but he's not a guy that um is gonna throw from all these different arm angles, is gonna be able to throw a lot like off platform stuff like that. Like that's not Purdy's game. And I think the Packers did a good job of playing well up front and getting some pressure on, on Purdy and kind of disrupting the rhythm of this offense as well. Which I'm just, I think-
1: we start, we start the segment by uh, me, you know, tongue in cheek asking yes or no, did Brock Purdy have a good game? Because Jesus Christ, like you, you, you cannot say that Brock Purdy had a bad game online without the Brock hive just coming after your neck. It's insane, you know. Like yeah. they point to the overall numbers, like oh, he didn't have a turnover. Like you know how many turnover worthy plays he had, man. You know what I'm saying? Like golly, come on. Let's let's be real here. Let's be real. Um, I I think every year I, every
2: year there's at least one fan base that has like an all out holy war with the idea of turnover worthy plays. Yeah, which is funny because I mean it's just super intuitive. Like what is a turnover worthy play? I mean you see it happen like he throws a pass right to a defender and the defender doesn't catch it. And it's like, right. That's no better. Or like, that's it wasn't like Brock Purdy. Just, I ah, mean, it's a good thing. You threw that really uncatchable ball to insert <laughs> green Bay Packers linebacker here or something like <laughs> right. that. Exactly. He just, he made a mistake. The defender yep. almost made
1: him pay for it, but he didn't. Cause like, yep. that's how it goes sometimes. That's exactly right. As they say, that's why they play defense. That's okay. Uh, but yeah, no. Brock Purdy, twenty three of thirty nine, a fifty nine percent completion rate. Uh, did not have a pick, but you know, obviously, could have had a couple of of picks in this ball game. Um, George Kittle <clears throat> had a big, uh, what is it? A big catch and run uh, for touchdown as well. I, I just, I'd really, honestly. I know that it's weather conditions, man, but if you go back and look at this game, Brandon Ayuk, especially in that fourth quarter, was so open on so many plays, and Brock Purdy just could not pull the trigger because his hands were wet. You're like, Jesus Christ, that's that's insane. That is insane. So listen, dude, listen, Brock Hive, I apologize in advance, but I don't. I'm sorry, I'm not sorry, but he had a bad game. The guy had a bad game. It's okay. You know, the, the team the team prevailed. That's fine. It was a great team win. George Kittle played great. CMC played great. The defense, I didn't think played great, but they did come up with two turnovers. Okay? The defense didn't play great, but they did come up with two turnovers. All right? So you could say they played an average game because at least they got two turnovers. All right? Brock Purdy did not play a good game, Brock Hive. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm not sorry that he did not have a good game. But y'all won. It's okay. I've never seen a fan base more mad after a win. Like, really? Really? So like they win this game against Green Bay, and and, and you have the audacity to say that Brock Purdy did not have a good game, and they're so mad at you. <laughs> like that's what's so funny. Like Brock, i chill. It's okay. Y'all won the game. It was a good team effort. There's 11 people on offense. It's good. Brock Purdy didn't play well. It's all right. It's okay. Come on, man. Like what what are we doing out here? It's an insane. Absolutely. Well, I think it's because he played well at the end, like the final drive. He had one good drive. He He
2: had one good drive, which which goes down as the game winning drive. (laughs) Okay, fine. So, I mean, that there's that part (laughs) of it, but I also think um, a couple of things with that. A couple things are true at once here with with Brock Purdy. I do I do agree with you that it's like you guys don't have to defend Brock Purdy this hard because like I'm sure Brock Purdy's beating himself up for how he played in the first three quarters. Like. That's how NFL players are, like yeah, yeah, especially yeah. especially guys who are wired like Brock. You think he's you think he's in there like ready to get in the mentions of every analyst? Like, no, he's he's probably like, damn, you know, I should have taken better advantage. I mean, this is a guy who, when asked the opportunity about how is he the MVP, he's like, no, my teammate Christian McCaffrey yeah, is the MVP.
1: Right, you know,
2: right, right. I'm sure Brock Purdy is being hard <laughs> on himself for his own performance in this game. So, like, you know, you guys on the outside don't have to go crazy about it because he'd probably doesn't want you to go crazy about it. But really I do think the reason 49ers fans are so defensive of, of Purdy is because I I do think that the way some people in the media talk about Brock Purdy is like, is unhinged. I, I do think on both again both sides of the aisle. I think there is some truly unhinged behavior. Um, <laughs> like I, and maybe I'm talking to you, Mister Sam Darnold. Will be you know the starting yeah, yeah, quarterback you t- You're totally talking to me. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> like it's like I, people
2: have uh, Purdy. De- what did they used to say about Trump? Trump derangement syndrome. Like people sure. have uh, Purdy derangement syndrome for sure. Like the guy's a good. The guy's a good quarterback. Like he He's a good quarterback. He's not – is he in the elite tier? No. But, like, again, let's just let this thing play out, right? Like, let's right. let's see where Brock Purdy is. I mean, it doesn't matter where he's going to be in three or four years or something like that because we're talking about the games that are happening right now, games that he's winning, games that yeah. are they're winning with and because, at, at times, because of Brock Purdy. Um, I just don't like the idea that, like, oh, yeah, well, let's see what happens when we remove this, that, and the other. Because at some point, we will remove some of those players. Sure. And they will probably at some point commit <laughs> to Brock Purdy with some kind of contract. But in three, four years, like he could be better, right? I think mm-hmm. that's part of this oh, equation, too. That absolutely. It, because, I mean, look at Goff, who they're going to – by the way, how lucky is Jared Goff that he didn't have to play in those conditions in San Francisco last week? And it seems like it's going to be clear skies there, uh, there in Santa Clara next week. Yeah. That's good for Jared Goff. But I always say this about Goff, that he is so – much more, I think advanced mentally now than he was when he was Sean McVay's quarterback. And like, let's, I don't know, let's give Brock Purdy a chance to get to that before we just like always think he's going to be this guy. I don't know.
1: I think that's such a fair point, man. People feel like, you know, these guys are static players and and the truly great players um, have grown so much. Uh, There's very few like guys that just entered the league, just, you know, hair on fire and just played that way for 10 years and then entered the hall right? So mm-hmm. many of these dudes develop, Tom Brady developed, Jesus Christ, you know, like all, a lot yeah. of these guys certainly develop. And I think quarterback is certainly one of those positions, um, where development happens a lot or not at all. Um, and those guys that where the development doesn't happen, those guys flame out, you know? So, um, I, I just want to be, I just want to be a hundred percent clear. I think that Brock Purdy is, if you're saying good or bad, is he a good or bad quarterback? He's a good quarterback. I mean, he's a good quarterback. Um, I think like of all like the quote unquote game manager types, like Jared Goff's like the ceiling of all the game managers, you know what I mean? But, um, but Brock is, uh, you talked about some of his second reactions. I totally agree. Now, sometimes that stuff gets him in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. (laughs) But I I like the fact that he's got that moxie uh, to try and make some of those plays, but man, ball placement in prime conditions. I think he's got great ball placement, um, good timing of of routes and all that kind of stuff. So um, look, I just want to be 100% clear. Brock Purdy is a good quarterback. I'm not going to put him in my top 12, 15 or anything like that, but he's a good He certainly deserves to be a starting quarterback, top 20 quarterback uh, in the NFL. I think of that, there is absolutely no doubt. All right, let me flip it, flip this conversation uh, to the Green Bay side, okay? Um, moving forward, so they get eliminated. Moving forward, does Green Bay... Are you good with what Green Bay has at wide receiver? Because this year in particular, uh, interesting setup they had in Green Bay. They really kind of just threw a lot of players at you. And a lot of their players are either, you know, average or above average players. I don't necessarily know if I saw any special players in this group, but certainly I think as a collection pretty good collection of pass catchers there in Green Bay. You good with what Green Bay has or do you think they need an upgrade? I think I'm good with what Green
2: Bay has because I think we can count on development from some of these guys. I mean, it's so easy to forget that these guys are all second and um, first year players. So even, especially when we put in context that like they have two really good tight ends and that's what's going to be, I mean, just a pain, a true pain in the ass to try to sort this group out for like fantasy next year. Mm. Cause like, Oh yeah, by the way, like, yeah, there's, I think there's four receivers here that are like pretty good in some way. Um, I mean, Romeo Dobbs, in my opinion, is probably their fourth best guy when everybody's healthy and playing up to their potential, which Christian Watson's not always healthy and not always playing up to his potential. You know, Jaden Reed has missed time. Dante has missed time. But like, again, if we're just living in a hypothetical world where these guys are all, they all hit their potential and they all stay healthy, I think Romeo Dobbs is their fourth best guy, and he had the best postseason of any of them. Oh, like, easily. You know? easily. Easily. Yeah. And he was really good, especially in the Cowboys game. Like, And that's the thing, he's a good enough player that he's probably not somebody you want as like one of your top two receivers over the course of like 17, 18 you know, weeks into the playoffs, but he can give you some games because he's a pretty he's good player. Scrappy. He's scrappy. yeah, he's really yeah, he's really scrappy. He doesn't have doesn't have great hands. Uh, he will he will misplay things at times, but like sure. he can run some good routes and, and all this stuff. And like I think he's a pretty good vertical player. But again, I think he's probably their fourth best guy. But that's pretty good when that guy can be your fourth best guy. These two tight ends like they're playing twelve personnel a lot in each. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they do it again against San Francisco, but they did. And like Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave are good in both phases. Like sure. these guys are good blockers and receivers. And I do think that if somebody's going to step up and and, um, like take a leap out of you know average or even just above average type guys like I do think it'll either be Jaden Reed who I think has star receiver potential or Dontavian Wicks who I also think like from a route running perspective is a really good player showed a lot in his first season you had to love well only me maybe you had to love the way he was blocking his ass off for the run game <laughs> in that san francisco 49ers he really, was. He, really was. I, he really was man he's he, i think he's going to be a good player so if i'm green bay i'm and you know even Bo melton like that guy can't stop scoring touchdowns uh i, know, right? I don't know if i'm counting on like that stuff like i just wouldn't go out and get a I mean, you're you're not going to swing big and get a number one receiver on the free agency market. Like, that's just not going to happen. I don't think then it makes any sense to spend a late first-round pick on a receiver. So I don't think there's, like, a a path to really getting, like, a number one, take it over the top type of guy. And really, if you're getting a veteran in here, they're probably just going to end up being a progress blocker for one of these wideouts. Um, I do think it might be nice to have one more body if and when Christian Watson gets hurt or doesn't take that next step. But yeah. I'm just concerned about, again, bringing in like a progress-stopping veteran because I don't think you're going to get like a, a true number one receiver anywhere.
1: Basically, you're saying let these guys grow together. Quarterback yeah.
2: receivers, right? That's what they did this year. Like, yeah. we forget that there were times in the early part of the season where Matt LaFleur was like, "Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it, but I'm really pissed. I'm really annoyed with these younger receivers. They can't, like he was literally, like I'm making the, I was like bite holding his tongue, like biting his tongue because you could tell that he was really frustrated by this group because he's been calling great plays all year and there just wasn't always great execution from these very, very young players. But you know what? By the end of the year, there was great execution. Like that's what they did this year. They let these guys grow and develop together with Jordan Love. And then when it all came together, it all came together really well. For, for these guys. like I think Love, you know, the, the very Farvian interception at the end, be damned, I think <laughs> has been great in the back half of the year. Yeah. And I feel like, we, we feel like he can be a top 10 quarterback. I would let these guys like Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks and then in the other guys I think are probably more like complementary players. I'd let yeah. them like grow up together.
1: Yeah, it's not a bad call. Uh, And again, you you talk about, you know, even like a Bo Melton, as you said, the guy only ran six routes, got one target, one catch, 19 yards, and a touchdown. He's a splash play guy. You love to have those guys uh, mixing in, you know, as a wide receiver, three, four. I I love that fact. Uh, You got Christian Watson there. You know, he needs to develop his route tree just a little bit. But um, you've got Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed. You've got, you know, Dontavian Wick. So, again, a pretty good group of pass catchers overall. I'll ask you this. You've been really high on Jaden Reed. Is he a player that's capable of taking on and growing into, let's say, like an Amon Ra type of role where, okay, Mm. primarily an inside wide receiver, but real strong, you know, powerful at the catch point. Um, He's got a little bit of juice, especially after the catch too. Can Jaden Reed be a, a number one wide receiver playing inside and playing, again, that Amon Ra, St. Brown type of role?
2: I don't think he is nearly as like... Crispy? No, no, no. I think he's v- quite quite crispy, but... Uh, <laughs> it's a weird thing to say. I think he's quite <laughs> crispy, but I don't know that he's, like, got necessarily the same, like... Dirty work type play. I mean, because honestly, like, I think Wicks is a better dirty work player than than Jaden Reed is. But um, I don't know if he's got the same, like, dirty work approaches Amon Ross St. Brown does. But I see your point, though, being like a number one receiver while playing a lot of inside stuff. I actually, by the way, like, Jaden Reed could play outside. Like, he could beat man coverage. I'd like to see him do more of that and not get pigeonholed so hard into um, the rush attempt stuff, you know, the the, the layup and design targets. I'd like to see him do a little more than that because I think, again, just. You know, um, his ability to beat man coverage is legit. Like the, that, it was legit in college. It was legit in the rookie report and reception perception. So I'd like to see more of um, Jaden Reed doing that stuff because I think he can be. Yeah, I, I feel pretty confident that he can develop into like a number one receiver type. So he, he he's probably if I was betting on it, I think he would have the best odds at being their number one receiver. And I actually think Wicks would be too, just because I think the trans, like the traits that you need to be a one. Mm-hmm. Like people will immediately be like. Like, tell me the argument for Christian Watson as, like, a number one receiver and don't tell me how big he is. Like, don't – like, okay? Don't mention height. I can't do it. And I I just haven't seen that from him. I
1: can't mention, I I can't do, uh, first of all, you're talking to the wrong guy here. Well, You you want me to talk about size and speed? I can't do that. What what do you want me to do? (laughs) What do you want me to do? I'm stuck, okay? I I got nothing here. Uh, No, I hear what you're saying, though.
2: Yeah, I'm just like the general you, not you, James Coe. Um, No, no, no,
1: I get get it. But again, who are you talking to? Of course I'm going to bring up size and speed. That's what I do. Come on, baby.
2: (laughs) That's what I'm saying. But if you can't do that, I don't think you can be like, well, this is the path to Christian. Be number yeah, receiver, I, but I think you think you can you can make that argument with Dontavian wicks based on the way he ran routes this year from the yeah. outside receiver position but um so he would be my second and then i think we're into like watson and dobbs and and all mm-hmm. these other guys there so i liked i like Jaden reed a lot i think he's an awesome player i think he's tough i think he's physical i think from a technique perspective if he continues to develop because i yeah. think he developed a lot in the second half of the season I think he could be a legit um, dude for this team, honestly, James. And I know that we're the receiver podcast, or the perception, perception, the whole thing. I really feel like the thing that Green Bay most needs to figure out on their offense is what they're going to do at the running back position. Totally, because agree. five straight games over 100 yards for Aaron Jones to end the season, and I mean the dude looked awesome, like dude, he looked every. Amazing every bit of the production was reflected in the play yep. and this is a good offensive line this is a good rushing ecosystem and like i love i love aaron jones and i think it is kind of hilarious that they basically asked him to take a pay cut and you know slash his pay and then like it's just classic running back stuff then you get into the season you're like oh man we're really screwed if we don't have aaron jones back here um, so what do they do about that, right? Because I get it. He's in his 30s. He's, he's yeah. not a, a guy you can rely on to stay healthy, as this year showed. How can you put yourself in a position, if you're Green Bay, to not be completely up the river when Aaron Jones doesn't play? Um, because that's clearly such a big problem for them right now.
1: Uh, it's a huge problem. And again, when they tried to insert A.J. Dillon into that role, it failed. Right. Oh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Either you need to address this in the draft and find yourself a, a really gritty, explosive running back uh, that can do what Aaron Jones does. And, and dude, this guy's been criminally underrated for, you know, the entirety of his career, honestly. I mean, how much were we yelling at Mike McCarthy to get this guy on the field? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really been his entire career where he's just uh, we just felt like the entire football universe is like, man, this guy Aaron Jones needs some more runway. And he seems to never get it each and every year. Uh, maybe that's ended up being better for his career in terms of longevity. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Green. The, what stirs this drink is Aaron Jones and the running game. And really, when you go back and look at LaFleur's you know, offensive history, a lot of what his offenses do were built around running backs and being able to establish the run and, and get good production on the ground. So um, you're a hundred percent, right, man. I mean, we could sit here and talk about these wide receivers and the quarterback and all that kind of stuff, but man, I agree with you. I don't think green Bay's offense works nearly as well. If you don't have a, a good ass running back, like Aaron Jones back there, making this, you know, driving this truck, man, I agree with you. Yeah, we'll,
2: we'll see where they go this offseason because I think that's an important thing for them to, to figure out.
1: Okay, let's talk about Tampa Bay-Detroit. Um, Tampa Bay, I thought, kept it competitive. You know, um, uh, I don't know. Uh, the. I know it drives people crazy about the two-point thing at the end of the games. It was kind of certainly an eyebrow-raising thing for me too, but whatever. It's all good. I could see the argument both ways. Um, but anyways, regardless, moving forward – um, what does Tampa Bay do moving forward? Do they really try to run it back with this squad? I mean, again, no disrespect. Maybe this is disrespectful, but this is one mediocre-ass squad they got here at Tampa Bay. Do they really just try to run it back? This is the exact kind of team that, I mean, again, where, where are we going? You know, it's an aging unit. Um, I could see this team taking a huge step back next year. It was great to see Baker playing well, uh, especially late uh in this season but i don't know if you're if you're tampa bay what do you do do you really try to run this back i'm tony kornheiser
2: this is my show my friends come on and you know them we talk about the sports you care about basketball now golf and the metronome of your life baseball whether it's opening day The big tournament or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I think, I don't know if I see them taking a huge step back. I think that the tough part for them is that there are so many important pieces for them slated to hit free agency. Right. Obviously, Baker, which is a tough one. Mike Evans, that's a huge one. Because um, like here's the deal. They cannot allow Mike Evans to test the market. Because I don't think Mike Evans wants to leave Tampa Bay. He's a Tampa Bay guy. He expressed that at the beginning of the year, like he wants to be in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a, He's a literal franchise legend. Mm-hmm. The problem is, though, if you let him hit the market, some of these contenders... Are gonna like th- and or the the damn Jets are gonna throw a bag, a bag. at Mike Evans. They're gonna bag. just throw all the money at Mike Evans, and he's gonna leave. So you can't allow him to hit the open market. Antoine Winfield was a great safety this year, Pro Bowl snub. He was a stud this yep. year. Um, he's slated to be a free agent. Levante David is, uh, you know, we'll see if he wants to keep playing. Because if, if he does want to keep playing, like my dude can still play. Like, those know. four guys right there, they're, they're all slated to hit free agency, and you probably want all four of those guys back. You have to you have, have 40 have to have them back. You have, and you have $47 million in cap space. So you do have some room to play with there, but that is where most of, I think your resources are going to go. But I don't know, man. I think that this, this team has something to, to work with here. I mean, if, if Mike Evans is back, they have a number one receiver. Um, you know, they have a pretty good offensive line. that got great performance out of like Tristan Wirfs moved from right tackle to left tackle. And he was even better at a left tackle, which is crazy. Um, Luke Gedeke played pretty well at right tackle. They got a pretty good play from some of their interior guys. Cody Mock, the rookie, Um, you know, Kate Otten had a great playoff run. Chris Godwin's a solid player. Rashad White is, you know, a little inefficient. Like maybe they could add some more pop there in the backfield, but he's a, he's a good player and he's really nice as a receiver. Um, They have some questions to answer on the defensive side of the football for sure. But I don't know if I see this team getting, if they can bring all those guys back, if they're going to get wrecked and really regress. And, I mean, it just depends on Baker and, like, how you feel about, like, year two of the Baker experience. If Dave Canales is back, though, I feel pretty good about that offense keeping it moving.
1: Yeah, listen, I, I think this is, to me, what what I look at with this Tampa Bay team, I, I kind of sort of see this as, I don't want to say their ceiling, but, I mean, like, what are they? They're not going to win 13 games, man, you know? Like, yeah, uh, it, this is a 10-win team at its absolute peak, you know? And, and, by the way, I think Tampa Bay, from an offensive standpoint, they stayed relatively healthy, too. You know, so, again, um, I agree with you. They, they're going to have to do something with Mike Evans. I think somebody's going to throw, you know, at a mi- – I mean, we're talking minimum three-year 50 mil, right, for Mike Evans because so many teams need, like, a, a an established X guy
2: Yeah, I mean, Buffalo, uh, they probably won't be in the salary cap position to do it. But, like, I mean, if you just look at, obviously, Kansas City, like, they could get creative. They could try to do it. I, I mentioned the Jets. They're not exactly, like – flush with resources or anything but they could they certainly need some more receiver help um i mean mean, think
1: about uh, think about new england i I could see new england just saying going way over the top being like we're going to give you a five-year deal um at whatever it's going to cost and and we'll just go from there you know it's I mean, there's just so many spots for him to end up. At. You mentioned it, man. Like, he's going to see the back from somebody. Somebody's going to. Detroit, overpay. I mean,
2: Detroit has $58.6 oh million dollars in cap space next year. This, and oh my goodness, wow. I think Detroit, that he would be. Oh. Like, I do think they're very sensitive about, um, like, when DeAndre Hopkins was available, and I was like, man, I think Hopkins would be a great fit for Perfect. Yeah, for, uh-huh. for Detroit. But, like, from a culture perspective, it probably didn't make a ton of sense. I think Mike Evans like would fit with Dan Campbell and these guys from a culture perspective. Like never been a diva, just a, you know, a a guy that goes out there and consistently goes about his business and is productive. I think he would be, but again, we're talking about like all these teams with cap space, the bucks have cap space. So I think they can, I think they can,
1: (laughs) they can figure out a way to keep him there. Yeah. Uh, interesting stuff. So yeah, no, I I, I think just, again, I, I'm not saying they're going to take a step back. I'm saying they could, if they did regress to like a six win team or a five win team I, with this exact same unit, Matt, I don't think anyone would be surprised at all.
2: Right? Yeah. Again, I think it comes down to Baker and like, what do you do like to ensure that he's not I, I just feel like it's I, – I feel like Baker's so hard to, to sort of pin down because oh, it's his, impossible. Low, yeah, his low moments have been, I mean, god-awful. In, in Carolina, it was <laughs> – totally. he was the worst quarterback yeah. in the league right. in Carolina. And then, you know, with Cleveland, he had solid moments, but then um, there were kind of rockier moments. Was he playing with injury and all that stuff? And with – I think some of the – some of his moments in L.A., like there were – Again, very nice moments. the The Raiders Thursday night win, the the beatdown of the Broncos on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, um, ended the Nate Hackett era. I, I I don't know. I mean, they're he's just a tough quarterback to pin down, and I think he's streaky, and I think he'll always be somewhere like lower than the twentieth quarterback, best quarterback in the league, but still. Um, what kind, like, what contract do you give Baker Mayfield? You know, do you give him like you can't give him the damn Daniel Jones contract or something like that? You know, forty I mean, million I don't a even, year.
1: I mean, that's the thing. I mean, do you do you even give him the Geno? Like, do you give him the three-year hundred? Do you do that? Yeah, I mean Geno, I probably wouldn't. I, I don't know. I, I if I. I could, mean, he's, I, like 18th, he's like
2: the eighteenth. He's like the eighteenth best or eighteenth highest paid quarterback. at average per year is is Geno. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo's right there, you know, at
1: 24.3. Yeah, so like, see, I I would be more open to like a two-year 50. I don't think he signs for two-year 50, though.
2: Yeah, but if you're Bakered, man, you really want to change teams again, bro. Like, I you know, know. He, <laughs> what
1: would it be? A seventh head coach?
2: <laughs> yeah, That's right. Insane. I mean, including interims.
1: Yeah, yeah, including interims. I think it's a. Yeah, it I be, think next year be would seven. be a seventh if he changed teams, which is crazy. Which is
2: yeah, horrific. Like, I think you'd probably want some stability. Yeah, if I'm Baker <laughs> Mayfield, I'm. I I wouldn't do I wouldn't be like trying to penny pinch here. I'd be, I'd be trying to just like stick, stick in Tampa Bay, especially if they bring back Mike Evans and Dave Canales, like you you got yeah, something to build point. on there.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh Houston took on Baltimore. Houston did hang tough in that first half and Baltimore obviously pulled away late. I just ask you what what happened with Houston's offense though? I mean, it was a complete no show. Um I mean, we could talk about what Baltimore did defensively, but I I don't know. Just from a visual standpoint, I don't think Baltimore did anything crazy. It just felt like houston couldn't get anything going on the ground against a team that had been giving up a lot of production on the ground which is surprising um and and stroud just kind of sort of looked like a rookie you know he looked a little bit confused couldn't connect uh they took away nico collins and they didn't really have a counterpunch to that at all so i don't know in, in your estimation what happened with houston's offense in that game
2: yeah the lack of a counter really is you said that so well because that's my big takeaway coming out of this game is, you know, for one, you know, it was neck and neck in the first half. And then Baltimore decided to put their foot on the pedal in the second yeah. half offensively. And Houston just didn't have the gas to keep up with them. Yeah, like they, they can't do that at this point because, like we talked about in the last episode, the way that Baltimore mixes and matches their coverages. Um, like they're not top 10 from how often they play any individual coverage except cover six, like I mentioned, which is able, we're able to do the quarter quarter half stuff. And because of that, like, because how they can change the picture, they're uniquely, they're uniquely positioned to give a rookie quarterback. I don't even care if it's a great, one of the all-time great rookie quarterbacks is DJ Stroud. He's still not a guy that's like seen every coverage and all that type yeah. of stuff. They're uniquely positioned to give him trouble. And because of that, because of the communication and, and the way they can you know play cover six and all these like take away vertical shots, they're uniquely positioned to take away a number one receiver in Nico Collins. And then when you drop off to Robert Woods and John Mechie and Xavier Hutchinson, like these guys are – especially Woods at this point, and like Mechie has proven nothing to this point in his career. Yeah, um, Xavier Hutchinson is, a, is another rookie.
1: Like, I mean, first of just, all, it's crazy, that, it's crazy that the loss of Noah Brown, Noah Brown right. was, uh, was actually impactful for this Houston offense.
2: Exactly. And I mean, obviously they had Tank Dell forever. Right. Dalton Schultz is a solid tight end, but they don't have anybody else that comes close to scaring you. Uh, after Nico Collins. Like, that's yeah. just the long and short of it. And you mentioned the run game. I mean, their run game is awful. It's been awful all year long. They ranked 27th in rushing success rate in the regular season. Devin right. Singletary had a long run of 16 yards and finished the day with 22. Wait. So, that tells you how his day went, and that's been about how it's gone all year. They just don't have a starting quality back that fits their system. Because, obviously, I- Damian Peer... Oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. Damian Pierce, 100%, not that guy, did not fit the scheme at all. But when I thought they actually were able to generate a pretty darn good rush, actually, with Devin Singletary once he was installed as the clear-cut, 100%, this is our dude, we're going with the starter. Uh, Devin Singletary is our guy. Um, it's not Damian Pierce. I, I actually thought that he put together a, a quite a few string of, of really good games, um, where I was actually relatively impressed. And, and again, he completely fell on his face here um, against Baltimore. And and again, credit to Baltimore. But just keep in mind, coming into this ball game, Baltimore had been giving up a ton of production. Between um, weeks 10 to 17, Baltimore had been giving up nearly five yards of carry to opposing running backs, and that ranked... Um, In the bottom five in the NFL in that time stretch, Uh, 4.99 yards per carry to opposing running backs, uh, ranking 31st out of 32 teams. Right, so second worst yards per carry average allowed to opposing running backs between the weeks of 10 and 17, not counting 18 because of you know obviously everyone was sitting everybody, but um, but yeah, in that stretch they they could have been run on, and Devin Singletary had a pretty good string of games when he was you know averaging you know damn near five yards a carry uh, in the back half of the season, so. Um, I was surprised, but you're right. You know, you would like them to see, have an upgrade at the running back position, but just for what we got in this game, nine carries for 22 yards. That's uh, that's tough. By the way, according to next gen stats, negative 25 rush yards over expected for Devin Singletary in that ball game. That's not going to get it done.
2: Yeah, I mean you're right. They were 31st in rushing success rate allowed uh, from weeks 10 to to 18. So, um yeah, that that had been a, I, and I I bet the Texans knew that number and probably tried to establish a ground game because they they have been very insistent bordering on stubborn in trying to establish <laughs> their ground game's <laughs> correct ground game of time this year. Yeah. Yeah, um yeah, yeah. and I think they fell a little bit victim to that at times where it probably would have been better to just go ahead and yeah. be aggressive and throw the ball a ton, but they couldn't really get that going. And it's just once they fell behind, then it's like, well, the ground game just doesn't even matter. But yeah, I'd like right. I, I'd like to see them add somebody at the running back position that could really, not just from a rushing perspective, but also just a pass game perspective, be a little bit more of a contributor um, to give this team a counterpunch. Because yeah, I mean, once you take away Nico Collins, and like Nico Collins is a really good player. I mean, he's played like a top 10 receiver all year long. Totally. But just... The drop-off from him to everybody else is way too steep.
1: Nico Collins, 10 targets, 5 grabs for just 68 yards. Um, and by the way, of those 68, 47 of them came after the catch, man. So uh, Baltimore did a really good job boxing him up outside of you know just maybe a couple of plays, man. So um, really good work by Baltimore there. Um, okay, so... You know, does 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 Houston have enough, in your opinion, moving forward to kind of just sort of build on these guys and just let these guys marinate and and cook and, and basically develop into one of the top passing offenses in the NFL?
2: Yes, but no. I think they have enough from a number two and number one receiver perspective. Like, I wouldn't go out and be adding a... Uh, T Higgins right I don't think I would be trying to take a receiver in the first round or something like that but I do think receiver is a need I think that they because look injuries happen and Tank Dell will be coming back from an injury Um, I don't think you want to be in a position where you're having to rely on Robert Woods and John Mechie and like oh no Noah Brown's hurt like what are we going to do I would be looking to add maybe a veteran uh maybe like a mid tier veteran to this room. Um I think you could probably stand to add another dynamic tight end. Uh Dalton Schultz I think is only on a one-year deal, yeah, one so year deal. A one year deal have mm-hmm. to yeah, so they'll have to bring him bring him back or and I and I think bring him back and add on to that, like with a you know a developmental rookie, some guy right. that, you know, will go in the second round of dynasty drafts for no reason or something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow.
3: You know, wow. just cause
2: like I love like it. a Jelani Woods type. Uh, sure. I mean, and, and I say that as somebody that's still waiting on his Jelani Woods bag Good. to cash in. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> I'm I am taking a shot at myself when I say that. But yeah, when I look at like you know mid tier receiver ads, maybe you add like a Curtis Samuel type, or you Ooh. add like a you know um, a Kendrick Bourne's coming off an injury. But that would be the type of like veteran receiver I'd add here. That's not going to threaten nico is your one or not gonna threaten tank dell as your as your two um but you know you're adding somebody that could be like a legit um a a three you know i mean i think samuel could pass as a two but he'd be the three in this room maybe like a tyler boyd although i don't know Tyler Boyd might not be that good anymore. Nah, so nah I
1: don't know. know. Tyler, yeah, we're, we're, we're over Tyler Boyd. <laughs> um, how about – okay, I know this is not a popular opinion. Um, does Gabe Davis add anything to this room at all, just as a clear-out type of dude? Uh, again, a number three wide receiver. You know who the number one and two are.
2: I thought about that. Yeah, Gabe Davis. I mean, how much, he, he's a good blocker too, so that would be a good fit in this offense as well. Um, I would love somebody with maybe a little bit more slot versatility – Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Tank Dell can play inside for you, but he can also – like that would be kind of nice. Like, hey, you've got him as your movable chess piece. They like to move Nico around a little bit. Nico's not like that vertical – like he he could do it, but they love to have him run those in-breakers, right? Like you can clear out the trash with Gabe Davis there. Um yeah that's sort of, that's definitely like the ballpark of player I'd be I'd be kind of shopping in I just I have no sense of like what Gabe Davis's market would be Same. Um, no clue like I could see some <laughs> dumb team overpaying for him I mean we're extenuating circumstances obviously because of the connection to the quarterback but like we're not but 365 days away, ago, did a team pay Al Lazard $44 million for no reason? Ugh, so, like, why man. could a team, a dumb team, not do that with, uh, with old Gabe Davis? I could see it. But that is sort of, yeah, ballpark a player I'd be shopping in. Like a Josh Reynolds, he's, he's going to be a free agent this year. Um, even if like, Josh hey, uh,
1: Reynolds doesn't go back to Detroit, I don't. I mean, I would be surprised. Can he do anything anywhere other than with jo- with uh, with Jared Goff? Don't break up the uh, Rams revenge game. <laughs> That's bromance. what I mean. Come on, dude. You know, let's make that happen. Anyways, all right. So there you go. That's the show. Um, a little bit of a breakdown here on the divisional round. Can't wait to chop it up uh, and talk about the conference championship games uh, as we approach that. It's going to be too epic matchups here. Kansas City taking on Baltimore and then San Francisco versus the upstart Detroit Lions. Let's go. We're gonna break that down on our next show here but for now, we gotta go. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. Peace and remember it's never too late to change.